Double D bonus episode. Hey guys, it's me, Danny, with a uh, episode, a bonus episode. It's not going to be very long. Um, it was pointed out to me by my friend Jason, who also listens and is in the group. So thank you, Jason. So I'm here with my cat. Um, her name is Jasper. I'm sure you've heard her screaming in the background. She is currently sitting in the loot crate box that I store all of my recording equipment in. So yeah, she's just, uh, she wants to hear the story too. And since it is Super Bowl Sunday, and yes, I am recording on a Sunday because I was too busy dyeing my hair yesterday to record, which makes no sense because dyeing your hair takes time and a lot of nothing, doing nothing. But here we are. Let's get into the weird story. This is a Super Bowl story. This is a local story. So I'm going to read the newspaper clipping that Jason had sent me that piqued my interest. So I'm not going to read like, you know, I'm just going to like read snippets. I'm not just going to steal. And this is from Sports Illustrated. And this was written by Connor Orr on the 23rd of this year. So supplies. It was the strangest kidnapping case Western New York had ever seen. And it tied back to a Super Bowl square pool, an unexpected game, and the one man who got in over his head. The muffled screams escaped through the narrowly cracked window into the frigid winter afternoon air. That's what drew attention to the blue pickup truck, otherwise inconspicuous in the grocery store side lot. Writer's Corner is a hamlet within the towns of Lockport and Newfane, some 35 miles north of Buffalo, and Tops Friendly Markets is in the bustling part of town. It sits just off a two-lane highway, a little past a quiet stretch of modest ranches and colonials, unspoiled land where a property line has room to breathe. Some playing host to a pop-up camper or ride-on lawnmower, a man would wash his car, get insured, buy a case of beer, and order a Big Mac, all within a few hundred yards. This is where James Moscato, a decorated police officer seven years out of the academy, found himself responding to a dispatch about a distressed man in the back seat of a parked vehicle. He saw the guy's neck was tied to the metal bars that support the driver's seat headrest with a length of rope. His hands and feet were bound together with duct tape. And that, I, that's all I read. Like, I read that and I was like, oh, this could be really fucking amazing, right? <laughs> turns out it's kind of almost a Florida story if you ask me because it's like wait let me just get into it okay so this is another the only other article I could actually fucking find um really that that said anything about this event um this is from the Daily Beast uh let's see here this was published in 2019 this was written by Barbie Latza Nado Nadio uh she's considered the correspondent at large I like her story. It's short and sweet. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to um, get to the guy's name because the other the other uh, article didn't mention his name, and um, they only really mentioned the police officer that found him. So, 60-year-old New York man Robert Brendel was charged with the scheme to defraud and falsely reporting an incident after he was discovered tied up in his pickup truck in a parking lot 30 miles north of Buffalo. This guy's a moron. Wait, it's going to be great. He told officers that two men who were involved in 
a Super Bowl Squares betting pool he had ran had stolen $16,000 from him before driving him around for two days and leaving him in the parking lot. Now, this is a story that just makes no fucking sense, right? If you're going to rob somebody, you're going to take the full $50,000 payout. You're not going to take $16,000. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it's kind of like a uh, very specific fucking number. If you ask me, I mean, it's just me. Baby Katie, do you think $16,000 is a uh, stupid number? She looked underneath the door, so I'm assuming that she agrees with me. Um, so I'm at a loss for this guy, but that's what he told them. He told them that two dudes kidnapped him and left him, well, kidnapped him for two days and left him tied up in his own fucking truck in the parking lot at Tops in what, Lockport? I'm like, come on. It's just, could you just, it's great. So when they asked the guy about who kidnapped him and took his money, um, he said he may have recognized one of the two. He was from work, he thinks. His name is Tim. Maybe, but he wasn't sure and didn't have a last name. And the other guy? No clue. But he figured they were ducking security cameras based on their erratic movements when they arrived at Tops. Okay. I don't... All right, let's just keep going. Uh, this is back to the uh, Sports Illustrated um, article. As he told the story, he shook. Maybe because he was scared or cold or both. Moscato handed him a protein bar and water, letting him sit in the back of the cruiser to calm down. After about 20 minutes, there were multiple police SUVs on the scene and a second officer combing through the pickup to bag evidence and a third speaking with the Tops employee who first heard the man's cry. Heard the man's cry. You know what? I have trash mouth. I'm just getting over this illness I've been dealing with, so suck it up, guys. I've got trash mouth. Tops employee. Let's see here. Speaking to the third... The third cop was speaking to the Tops employee who had heard the man's cry for help and phoned the local dispatch. So here's the thing is where we live and during Super Bowl season, um, it's either snow up to your fucking eyeballs or it's slushy bullshit and both result in people ending up in ditches and in the dingweeds and you know it's it that's most of the calls that police will get around this time of year so this was kind of like ooh, right so what this guy who's trying to fuck over um a whole bunch of people and try and get some sympathy at the same time and make a little cash is doing is he is taking a lot of resources that could be used in other cases in other parts of the state and all over the fucking country. You got to think, okay, when someone is kidnapped, you need a forensic team, a fingerprint tech, a video unit to document the scene, and they'd have to borrow investigators from at least two other towns. And then there's the 25-minute ride in bad weather, which is not necessary. You know what I mean? Like, I guess from the police station to where they were, or from Moscato's location to where they were, or whatever the case is. And also, this is where I start to feel bad for the cop that was, um, that had answered the call because he was 35 and in his late twenties, he left his desk job to join the force. And this is why days like this, cases like this. <sighs> All right. So not only is this guy 
fucking with the whole state, the whole country, the county even. Just just even the county. He's just fucking with them to see if, he, you know, not even to see, but he thinks that he's going to get away with this. He's taking from all of these other people on top of stealing money from all of the people that were in this pool. Not all of them, only $16,000 worth, which is fucking stupid. But I think it was like a $500 buy-in for it. So it was like, fuck yeah. If I had a chance at $50,000, I might drop 500 bucks on that. But think of the Everything that he's affecting here, okay? This is the most frustrating story for me. And this guy is absolutely stupid. This guy is just such a fucking tool. You know what I mean? Just a fucking tool. So he tells the story to the cops. And it's like, okay. So you were kidnapped by two guys. And they took $16,000. I'm I'm not over that amount of money. Like, take all of it or take none of it. Just fuck off. Anyways. So, and that's, what's weird about this is that I don't, I don't know. It's, it's one of those cases where it's like, is the guy really looking that nefarious? Well, maybe, maybe a little nefarious. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't seen pictures of him, but I will be posting, um, pictures on Instagram. Sorry. I brain farted on Instagram and in the Facebook group. He doesn't like, maybe he just doesn't seem the type he's described as, a wiry grandfather type with a surprising amount of energy for his age. Uh, the kind of guy who would bring candy bars into work to break up the monotony of a long shift. Or he saw a group he knew out to a bar. He'd make sure to pick up the tab and he'd talk about big family life, a bum knee, and his black belt. And he was always available to cover other people's shifts. See, like, that's where the naughties hide. They hide in, like, the helpful grandpa. Because who the... And he's got to be one of the dumbest. I'm sorry. But this took place in, um... Uh, yeah, so it was a $500 square deal. And it, you know, of course, $500, not everyone has that. So he attracted, like, some really high rollers, which is bananas. And, you know, think of it, $50,000, that's a vacation, that's a new car, you know, a fresh start in a different state. Fuck. And you got to think how fast word is going to spread of a $500 pool, right? Like, if anyone, I, I know, at least half of you have done a Super Bowl pool before, and you know, you're like, it's the thrill, and it's like, am I going to win? Am I not going to win? And when you do win, shit. You know, you shit your pants over it. Let's see here. He had, um, and he had also allowed people to like do like a payment plan. And he had a little notebook that was chock full of everyone's names, which is like, Hey, my son is screaming. Okay. Thank you. Um, he had a notebook with all the names written down in it. Like he's literally walking around with this notebook with everybody's names that had dropped $500 in this fucking pool And he's like, you know what? I'm going to steal their fucking money and then cause a whole bunch of bullshit in the fucking neighborhood. I just can't. So mad. You know, I know um, a lot of, I keep moving and I'm sorry if you hear that on the mic. I'm sorry that you hear me moving. So like he had like big goals this year. Okay. This year he's going to do a $50,000 pool. Previous year he had done a $12,000 pool with people at work. 
And that's a big prize, too. $12,000 is a stupid big prize. That is also enough to buy a hoopty and, you know, catch up on your fucking mortgage. Like, shit, I would buy in. And I know, everyone's worked, like, with people that do the Super Bowl pools, and it's usually, like, you know, a buck or 25 bucks. We have one at work that's, like, 50 bucks. You know, I mean... Super Bowl pools are literally everywhere this time of year. And they start, like, months. Even before people are fucking chosen to play in the goddamn Super Bowl, they're fucking, you know, getting people in there for the pool. Which is, you know, it's not my thing, but fuck, I mean, whatever. I don't get football. I'm sorry. I don't like football. I think it's stupid. I have a lot of controversial things to say about football, but I will keep them off the podcast If you really want to know my thoughts, you can find me. I just don't understand why people would do this. Why are you lying, you fuck? So, you know, they win. Whatever. I don't know the score of the game. Does anybody know the score of the game? It was like a Patriots and the Rams, right? Beep, boop, beep. I don't know. I don't pay attention to football. I'm so sorry. In his pool, there was a payout for uh, the third third quarter store. Store. Third quarter score as well for a reverse for the final and the pregame prizes for a matching square. When the game clock hit zero, someone at his place of work was in line for $22,000. So it was like, oh shit. I mean, now he's got all this money, right? So he had made plans to drop off the cash, um, but he often canceled. And it was for like stupid fucking reasons. Like, uh... Sorry, you know, I have to go out of town this week. I can get it to you on Monday or whatever. You know what I mean? And then they became more specific, like uh, extended vacation to watch the PGA tour. What? Couldn't pass up the chance to see Romo. Like, what? Um, And that gave way to almost unfathomable bullshit. Like, sorry, I was on my way, but got pulled over by the cops. And then it was like, hope they don't find the cash. Like, what a fucking asshole. And then, you know, he hadn't been to work in weeks and there were jokes circulating that he had, uh, you know, taken it. And then after a while, the participants in his pool, after waiting to collect thousands, fucking tens of thousands of dollars, they didn't find that shit funny anymore. And then it went to people trying to chase him down. And it was like, and you, you know, like when somebody owes you money, I mean... Somebody owes you money. I haven't really lent money, but when somebody owes you money, um, it like eats at you, right? When they promise to do it and then they don't do it. They don't pay you back. So it's like, okay, well, what the fuck? You know, what are you spending your fucking money on? Give me the fucking 20 bucks. Give me the hundred bucks, whatever it is that you fucking lent, right? So they went and they wanted to hunt them down themselves, which is, I mean, yeah, I would want to do that. So yeah, they went and looked for them. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Oh, I'm dropping everything. So what makes this even weirder is like he was spotted by a car full of people that know him, right? Hold on. I lost my place. Okay. He was, um, driving his truck and he was spotted by a car full of people that knew him and he just like tore ass away from them. And it's sort of like the area that they're in like you can't really get into a high speed chase. It's just not going to happen, especially on sloppy streets. Like it's just not going to happen. Then he just sort of disappeared. He got away and no one saw him or heard from him the next day. The rumors were getting kind of crazy and they were thinking like he, he had another property that he owned. 
and that he was hiding there. And then he smashed his phone and he couldn't be tracked and he blew all the money. And they heard that family members had reported him missing and like all of this weird shit. And no one would, I mean, no one would see him until 48 hours after the failed collection when he cracked the window of his pickup truck and started howling for help in the supermarket. Moscato, this cop that's like, I do this because this is what I want to do. He was being really gentle about it. He didn't want to confront him and... You know, if his story was true, he would experiencing trauma, you know, like you don't want to put pressure on somebody that's going through a rough patch. Let's call it rough patch. But then there was also the fact that there was no signs that anyone else had been in the truck. No other fingerprints, no receipts, wrappers, DNA of any kind. And Rendell had told them that the kidnappers had driven his truck. So it was like, it's like, okay. So they're driving around for like two or three days, right? And you're like, hey, he said they were constantly in motion and they aren't. So basically they wouldn't make time for bathroom breaks. So his pants are dry. He didn't piss or shit in his pants. Like, hmm. Brendel had looked like he had shaved recently and the gas tank was three quarters full. So, I mean, if you're like, you know, being a bad guy and you kidnap somebody, are you going to kindly put in five dollars of gas like it makes no fucking sense to me thing that kind of was kind of weird is that in brendel's sweatshirt um was a bundled up clump of duct tape and that's where they found the keys of his truck and it was just really weird because would kidnappers crack the window for you i mean yeah and it's very sweet of them i'm moving again i'm sorry it's very sweet of them and wow Good on them for letting him get some fresh air and the ability to scream at people in the parking lot at Tops. Um, and at some point, they would have had to have the keys in the ignition. So how would they end up in his pocket encased in duct tape? Like, no. So there was a um, an investigator. Uh, John Spiro is a Buffalo Bills and Notre Dame devotee. So good on you, buddy. But Spiro allowed Brendel to hang himself um, during their talking and after he was Mirandized, that's just a really Mirandized, Mirandized. I can't my mouth. Okay. He said that looking back on it, he said it looked like watching a man that was trying to convince himself of the details of his own kidnapping. Like he'd ask, Oh, what color was the gun? And the guy would be like, Oh, it was uh, silver. How did you manage to sleep in that stash house? And Brendel would re- reply with, um, they fed me NyQuil and he checked off nearly all the indicating body language of someone who was fucking lying as follows slumping, looking down at the floor, cradling themselves and what police officers call a guarded position and avoiding direct eye contact. And he was sweating in the middle of winter in Buffalo. I mean, if you're from Buffalo, you know, you cannot get warm in the winter here. Literally, I was outside an hour and 10 minutes ago and my feet are still frozen. So, yeah. So at one point, Spiro had asked Brendel about the location of his phone, which may contain some GPS data that they could back up the story with and, you know, get the officers on the trail. Uh, Brendel said that he remembered it being tossed by his captors on Route 18, the highway that runs parallel to the south shore of Lake Ontario. Spiro suggested they could take a drive up there and get it but joked that in order to find the phone in the weather, the kidnappers would have needed to put an ice scraper into the ground to mark the location underneath the fresh snow. So Spiro had made a joke. I mean, if you guys know what I'm talking about, if you don't, that was the plot point in another kidnapping scheme gone spectacularly wrong. 
when a bloodied Steve Buscemi ambled out of his car on the side of the deserted snowy highway to bury a briefcase full of ransom money under a drift of ice in the snow in the 1996 film Fargo. And if you didn't know, you should go watch Fargo. I've watched it once and I can't watch it again because it really fucked me up. (laughs) It took barely 15 minutes in the interview room for Brendel to crack. Uh, he tried to ha- <laughs> he tied himself to the headrest and duct taped his own arms and legs the entire interview session was spiralless th- 35 minutes um, that's fucking spectacular he said to Spiro that some of the names in the pool were fake and everyone from the bar was Brendel the owner of the bar Brendel referenced to colleagues denied a pool ever being run uh, that's so funny like this guy's like a piece of shit I'm just saying So that's, you know what, that's where I'm going to go with this. If you want more on this, uh, this article is massive and does go pretty deep. Um, I will put the link to it in the show notes and you can, you can read more in depth. I was just sort of skimming for you guys because I really didn't want this to be an hour long thing. And there's a lot of editing I have to do because there was a lot of me going, uh, scroll 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 so yeah that's it happy sport day i hope your sport wins uh the big trophy or the medals or whatever the fuck your sport team does go sports team and um yeah that's it so if you want to contact us um you can dm me like these lovely people that give me give me things to talk about on here. Um, you can DM me, uh, you can find me on the Facebook group page. Um, it is double D movie night podcast. (laughs) And if you put it in the search bar, we're the only one that's going to pop up with that name and you can just sort of find our little picture, which is a picture of Bubs uh, holding his headphones, which is just the cutest picture of him ever. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, movie underscore double. And you can find us on Instagram. Um, that is double D movie night. And I will put all the information in the play notes. I don't do that. I like change the name of everything. Cause I can't remember the words I used. Um, but yeah, so, oh yeah, my link tree will be down on my link tree. Well, our link tree will be down there where you can get access to the merch and the Facebook and all of that. We have a Ko-Fi if you want to buy us a cup of coffee. You want to buy us a nice Tim Hortons because we won't spend it on that Starbucks shit, okay? We will buy some Tim Hortons, like real Buffalonians. But yeah, that's it. And I hope you have a good sports day and I hope your sports does the best sporting it can possibly do. And now I'm going to edit this nightmare of a podcast and uh, and deliver it to our wonderful followers. So I will talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode. Be sure to follow, share, and rate us on your podcast apps.